0: The Ad News Podcast, the podcast
1: that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Welcome to the Ad News Podcast, recorded at Forbes Street Studios. I'm digital editor, Lindsay Bennett, and today I'm joined by journalist Josh McDonald to talk about the biggest stories across Adland this week. How are you today, Josh?
2: Yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you?
1: Great. Absent today is our editor, Pippa Chambers, who is on a plane to the UK right now, but later Stan CEO, Mike Sneesby, will be joining us to talk all things streaming. It was another big week over at Ad News, with the departure of CARA CEO, Paul Brooks, who has been at the helm of the agency since September 2016. We'll discuss his move more shortly. We'll also be talking about my interview with McCann's recently appointed CEO, Nick Taylor, who unpacked her bold plans for the agency. And Josh will be sharing his thoughts on TEN's new streaming plans and programming deals, which was revealed this week. Firstly, to start off with, Paul Brooks. His departure came as a shock to the Ad News team. What's your view on his departure, Josh? Yeah, look,
2: I mean, it was certainly shocking. Um, you know, it came out on, a, I think it was a Friday, and uh, I think... You know, the first thing was sort of, right, okay, what's going to happen here? You know, how quickly is Densu going to move to replace him? And I'll come back to that. But look, I think first and foremost, it's no secret. Look, it's been a tumultuous year for Kara uh, under the Densu Aegis Network. I think some sincere, sincerely, like, I mean, they're global, but they're big account losses, um, which have been Mondelez, um, which was, you know, around that $40 million mark. Uh, Adidas went as well as part of a global review. Um, which I think was only about $2 million, but still, it's another account, big name. And I think both uh, losses, you know, they were they were big ones for Group M with uh, Mindshare and Mediacom taking them, respectively. Um, but, you know, they've also picked up a few smaller ones as well. Like, that's not to say that the global accounts of the Be All and End All, they had, um, they had Grilled, Beacon Lighting. Um, they retained uh, L'Oreal, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, Microsoft and the Western government were also retained, you know, with IPG coming on, uh, as part of uh, IPG's uh, initiative coming on as part of the account with the Western government, that is. Um, look, I don't know. It was a shock. Um, I think there's some reasons behind it. There's a couple of big losses there. There's, you know, there's wins, but they're not they're mm. not substantial wins. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say grilled is on the same level as Adidas. You know what I mean? Like it's... Mm. it's and there was there.
1: also Disney, which wasn't quite a loss, but Dentsu built a bespoke unit for it, which kind of indicated to us that maybe there wasn't a strong connection with Kara anymore. Um, so yeah, I guess that's another big loss for that one.
2: Yeah, I think the Disney one, um, you know, it was good for Densu to retain it, but, you know, it was also, there were some question marks around why, if it retains, why doesn't, you know, Kara, Kara retain? Yeah, And Kara is still part of the account, I should say that, but uh, yeah, it was just a very interesting sort of... It was an interesting uh, retention for them.
1: Mm, I think that's the thing with global alignments uh, that we've seen with Adidas and Mondelez. Cara might have done nothing wrong in that instance, but unfortunately, global alignments do impact Australian agencies, and we've definitely been seeing that a lot this year.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a topic that's come up more than once, Um, and I think that's something that's really going to have to be addressed. Um, I mean, you know, it, it is addressed and it is talked about, but... You know, you don't feel the impact until, you know, something like this happens. And I'm not saying that the global accounts were the reason for that. Obviously they couldn't have been, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's another interesting layer to the media world that I think we need to sort of all focus in on a little bit more.
1: Mm, Definitely. And where do you think Brooks uh, will reappear?
2: now that's hard to say like um there's been chatter to say that it's probably unlikely that he'll come back to media agency life because mm, um, he so, spent
1: most of his career like he was at mediacom for a long time so you don't think you'll see him come back to media agencies I
2: don't think you'll see him come back um I think that's maybe 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 that's time over for him and he wants to look for something a little bit different um, who knows consultancy who knows who knows where mm, he might end up the lure of consultancies. the lure of consultancies real. <laughs> is really there um but to who to the question of who would replace him, I mean, there's been some really good talent already scooped up and moved and promoted this year, you know, in other agencies. So like, you know, I look at Willie Pang at Mediacom in March. Um, you know, my understanding from the density side of things is they're really not looking to promote internally, from what I understand. Uh, which makes sense. You know, Visium has just undergone a shuffle with Travis Day exiting in July and then Stephen Dean stepping into the national M D role. And I think, uh, you know, Densu have got some really good things going internally at the moment that they're probably focused more on. And I don't think they're keen on shuffling someone around again just to fill Kara's role. I think it'd be quite interesting to see. I mean, they're down in Melbourne and we all have heard now that Melbourne's indie scene is really brewing. So it'd be quite interesting to see if they've got the year to the ground and to see if... There's someone down there who's
1: mm, poach someone from an indie, maybe. Yeah,
2: who's worth that um, worth that shot. But I mean, Simon has said, you know, uh, Simon Ryan, I should say, has said that it's going to be announced imminently. So mm. whether or not they've already got someone remains to be seen. But I mean, you know, in other big industry and agency shakeups this time from the creative world, you interviewed Nicole Taylor about her plans for McCann. Um, pretty radical, from what uh, my reading was. What did you think of a vision?
1: Yeah, look, I have already kind of said this internally at our news, but I was super impressed by that interview. Um, before sitting down with her, I kind of knew she had a great reputation in the industry, but spending an hour with her, I could really see why. Um, she's not afraid to speak her mind. And I can see that she's really going to do what it takes to turn around McCann, which has been struggling in Sydney for a number of years. Um, it just hasn't really made notable work or has had a strong reputation in Melbourne. It, it previously did with the Dumb Ways to Die work, uh, but since the departure of Adrian Mills, Matt Lawson and David Phillips, who all joined Deloitte last year, I think Melbourne's also struggled a little bit. Is that um, Laura,
2: the uh, consultancies again? Yes,
1: I don't think we have a conversation that they're not brought up in anymore. Um, and, yeah, so Nick, Nick is replacing Ben Lilly, who had been in the role for nearly 20 years. So I feel like when you have someone in... The role for that long. You can kind of see why maybe they would need a a set of fresh eyes there. Um, You know, I think Ben Lilly was great, but I think with all the rapid change, sometimes a new leadership can just kind of shake things up. Um, So yeah, I I was really impressed by her. And I think from an outsider perspective, and I I don't know if she'd say this, but it seems like DDB maybe was holding her back in a lot of ways. I feel like now that they're gone and she's at the helm of McCann, she can really just speak her mind. And it's the most frank conversation I've definitely had with her or seen her have. She was extremely open about having to make some hard decisions, uh, like the leadership change in Sydney, which saw the departure of the managing director, Adam Lee, who's been in that role for a few years. And she really spoke a lot about breaking Australia out of its conservatism, which I think has become an issue. I think White PC in the work we're producing. Um, Josh, I know you would have experienced this as well, but as a trade press journal, you go into these interviews with these big CEOs uh, and these senior execs, that should be an amazing, amazing interview. And you leave feeling just a little bit disappointed and they mm. fall short because they're too scared to say anything, to have an opinion, to stir anything up. And I think that's actually gotten worse in my three years here. Um, I kind of cover the major holding groups like WPP, Publicis, Omnicom, and I think increasingly their tentacles are, you know, around the execs and you can almost feel the pressure in the room to say the right thing. And Nicole's honesty about the industry, about the challenges she faces, about being a woman in the industry, which was really interesting, just refreshing and I really hope other leaders read that and go you know what we don't have to all be shit scared to actually say how we feel and talk about ourselves from a human perspective rather than you know talking about the company that I could read on the company website and just towing that company line um so yeah that's kind of (laughs) my perspective on that
2: I mean like it's it was a it's a really interesting couple of articles and I think you know yeah she's so frank and upfront um what did you think on, I think, you know, you wrote one on her perspective as a woman in the industry. What did you sort of, what was your key takeaway from that? Because obviously you were the one sitting there, you know, having this conversation with her. It sounded quite, you know, impassioned from just reading it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely a passion she has in the industry and you can feel that. I think the one takeaway I would have is I think the female leaders in this industry feel more pressure to succeed than maybe some of their male um, counterparts because they're representing women as leaders like as a genre almost and their the judgments they make will impact how other women are viewed and that is a sad fact and it's definitely getting better there's a lot more female CEOs in the industry but nicole taylor is one of two national CEOs. Herself and Melinda Goertz are the only two in Australia, which is crazy. Yeah. So I think that would be my takeaway. And she spoke a little bit about uh, her experiences early on in the industry when she was kind of around that account director stage. And she remembers being overlooked for positions because she assumes that they thought she was going to leave and have a baby. So, you know, there's some of that old age... Um, issues that she's faced but she's also overcome them to be on top and yeah I think she's an amazing leader and it doesn't really matter if she's male or female but she just happens to be female Mm. Um, But enough of the Nick Taylor Kool-Aid. We don't want to sound like an ad for McCann over here. Uh, There was a big report in the Oz this week about 10 streaming service, All Access, which Chief Content Officer Beverly McGarvey uh, revealed will launch probably in December this year. She also said Pilot Week will be back despite some backlash and it will renew The Bachelor, which I'm very excited about, and outlined some more plans for the Big Bash League. Josh, what did you find most interesting about this report?
2: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's the name, right? Like, it sounds so small and a point that I don't think was brought up, but seeing 10 all-access in there besides CBS, I mean, especially with all the chatter that is, you know, Um, CBS is going to become the overbearing parent. The 10 doesn't want, it's going to be locked in its room while, you know, CBS makes the plans for the week. I mean, to see the 10 in front of it, that's a really good thing. And I think that's a good thing for 10. I think that's a good thing for the market. I mean, you can't be out there against nine now and seven plus without your brand name in there. I think that's just key. And I think that was a really good thing. And it was good to see, um, you know, Bev and 10 knocking back rumors, um, and then coming out and being really forward and saying, no, look, this isn't the case. It's in December. That's the launch. Now, you know, and yeah, I think, I think that's the key takeaway for me is the first part. Um, but as a second part, I think the obvious one really is, you know, the impact on taking it away from, a, is it now an s service or is it a B-VOD service? Mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know, and that's a big question that I'm sure they'll, they'll answer. But yeah, that was a key takeaway for me. What does this mean for TEN's, you know, footing? in the streaming universe in Australia. It just, uh, yeah, left a little bit up there.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I think that's something that we'll see more. I think 10, you can just see by this one article that they're maybe getting their execs prepared to be in front of the press a little bit more, mm. which is good because we know over at our news that they have not been as strong in the press as Seven and especially Nine. Mm. Um, but what do you think these kind of programming and streaming deals will mean for 10?
2: Yeah, I mean that's and this is where it starts to get interesting, right? And obviously, we've got Mike coming on later, and I'll definitely speak to Mike about that. Um, but looking at uh, what CBS has, especially so Showtime in the US, um, as we know, uh, you know, Mike and Stan have that tied up out here, and CBS also has a lot of other premium uh, products in regards to you know dramas and you know other TV programming. that's, you know on SBS, it's been elsewhere, uh, so you know. While in the U.S. they claim to have tens of thousands, they do have tens of thousands of shows and episodes, you know, is it going to be tens of thousands out here? I'd be hesitant to say yes. Um, for me, you know, I'm really just hoping they've got every season of NCIS so I can go back to binging that. But um, yeah, no, that's probably my thought there is, yeah, what does this mean for those out here who have already been playing ball with CBS?
1: mm. mm. And what about the local side of their content strategy? I think I've heard you refer to it as quarter five.
2: Yeah, quarter five is really cool. So I actually, uh, I've heard that, um, you know, bounced around a bit from media guys, a few people at 10. It's a real fun little phrase that they're calling uh, their summer lineup. I kind of like it. Um, It's essentially the big Bash alternative. Uh, Not a bad concept, um, but for me, this is just going to come down to content. Mm -hmm. This is all about, you know... Well, I mean, it's about really, really good programming and some of which we've already seen this week with uh, Sunday Night Takeaway.
1: Yes, I heard you're you're a fan. Do you want to tell <laughs> Yeah, I the, mean, the listeners about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's based off the insanely popular, and I mean insanely popular, Ant and Dec version called Saturday Night Takeaway. And Ant and Dec are a comedy duo who, much like uh, Dr. Chris and Julia Morris, host I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out Here in the UK. So if done well out here, uh, well, I mean, you've just really, I won't, go into it but just go on YouTube look at the views they have look at the popularity they have you'll get a pretty good picture for what 10 could have if it pulls it off correctly um Dancing with the Stars is back that's pretty interesting I mean people love that show it's a time-tested format sure it went off the air but if you do it right just like anything it can come back and have a resurgence and then uh the chain changing rooms which I don't think I was really ever in I think I've ever seen I mean I know of it I've had it you know, chatted to me about before. I'm just not really into home improvement. Um, If you look at my room, I'm not even into my own (laughs) (laughs) self-improvement. But uh, look, you know, I have to tip my hat to 10 here. Um, I really like that they're coming out hard. They're coming out with their gloves on and they're punching really hard in regards to their programming and not, you know, not letting bat and ball or racket and ball, whichever one you're going to watch over summer, you know, get in the way of their content and let summer slip away. But I think my point, you know, it remains clear. It's got to be really, really good content. Mm. And then on top of that, you know, as you said, you're happy about Batchy coming back, Survivor's back. Um, anything I will say, and I know uh, we mentioned this last time, um, so I won't go into Pilot Week too much. But I think the viewers, unlike us here in media, they, we, we, they can tend to forget things a little too quickly. And I would just say, tell us who won Pilot Week. Tell yeah. us who's on TV. Like, you know, I mean... You know, even when you watch a show and you fall off it for a couple of weeks, it can take you months to come back, you know, even like on Netflix or whatever it may be. So I think, yeah, tell us who
1: won. Yeah, tell there needs to be that momentum. And, you know, we've heard that um, the Kyle show is likely to come back. Yeah. But if they've captured those initial viewers, you know, they're waiting for that next content. So I'd agree with you there. They need to kind of get that rolling. And now to our biggest story of the week. AdNews rolled out its annual Power 50 this week with 9 CEO Hugh Marks named the most powerful individual in the industry following the merger of Nine and Fairfax which Mike Sneesby will talk about a little in a little bit. Our list reflects the changing landscape following the reforms to the media laws last year with the C's Rod Sims, News Corp's Lachlan Murdoch, Seven West Media's Kerry Stokes, O Media's CEO Brendan Cook and JC DeCoe CEO Steve O'Connor and many other media owners ranked high up on the list to reflect these changes and changes to come. For the first time this year, we've introduced the Emerging Leaders feature, which recognises 30 of the best upcoming talent in Australia. We were impressed by the calibre of entries and the diversity on the list. You can check both these lists out online now. That's it from the news desk. Is it, Josh? Yeah,
2: that's definitely it. I think, <laughs> oh, before we go, congratulations to everybody in the Power 50 and the Emerging 30, uh, Emerging Leaders, sorry. That's really, yeah, I just I think it's a good thing to say, congrats,
1: Woo. Yeah, it was a great list. And if you look at who's on there, they are definitely, you know, the future Power 50 to come, the Emerging yeah. Leaders. And it was, yeah, great to see, you know, more women on there, you know, it was quite an equal kind of... Um, list for the emerging leaders and yeah, we're really excited to be kind of leading that initiative at Ad News.
2: Yeah, and I I think uh, people really should look forward to it, you know, in years to come as well. It's a really good initiative.
1: Definitely. So get it in print now. (laughs) Next up, Stan CEO Mike Sneesby will be talking streaming.
2: Um, I'm joined now by Stan CEO uh, Mike Sneesby or... You know, the godfather of streaming in Australia. What about that one, Mike? (laughs) I like that one. (laughs) How are you, mate?
3: (laughs) Well, thanks. Well,
2: Um, so some very interesting things that we were just discussing earlier, me and Lindsay. But first and foremost, I think uh, you might know where this one's going. Uh, CBS All Access is out here. um, And obviously, you are tied up with Showtime on your platform stand. So, yeah, that's right. uh, I guess what was your initial thought of that announcement? Did you know that was coming?
3: Oh, look, probably to give you some context for you know, the model that CBS runs in the US, and I should start by saying that CBS uh, have been and continue to be a fantastic partner for Stan um, for many years, from even uh, prior to the Showtime deal. We've always had a a long-term arrangement with CBS. But the model in the US for them is they have a premium pay TV network, which is Showtime. And in Australia, our exclusive deal with CBS makes us the home.
0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away.
3: of Showtime here. So effectively, Showtime in the US is Stan in Australia. Okay. Uh, and they also have CBS, their uh, broadcast network, which effectively in Australia now with 10 is, is Channel 10. And, you know, CBS All Access, or as we've recently heard, um, what will be 10 All Access is, is effectively an extension of that. So platforms that operate in two very different parts of the market. And as I said, the the Showtime deal, um, I've said this many times before, is a it's a long-term, multi-year deal exclusive to us. Um, so that won't change under any launch of uh, CBS All Access or 10 All Access here in Australia. And Stan, uh, subscribers have also enjoyed a lot of uh, the CBS library content on the platform, and part of our, our deal with CBS will mean that there is a uh, continued access to uh, CBS library content. So the reality is not much changes at all for us um, in that deal, but um, We're excited to see the guys at CBS as strong commercial partners, um, you know, change things up in the market. And, um, you know, we wish them all the best with their launch this year. Awesome. I mean, you'd
2: be pretty good to comment on this. I brought it up and I'm a little bit confused. Does this make them BVOD or SVOD? Do they stay BVOD through this or are they now an SVOD?
3: Oh, look, I don't think they've given all the details of their launch plan. So I'm certainly, you know, um, no more uh, up to speed in terms of exactly how they'll bring it to market. So I think that's yet to be seen. Yeah.
2: Okay. And, um, I guess, is there any sort of other thought that you had on it? Like, is it, you, you mentioned there that, um, I think you've spoken in the past, you know, competition is not always a bad thing. It's a good thing to keep the market churning along. Is this a, Is a good move for you guys? Are you not too worried? Are you pretty confident in the content that you've got? And,
3: uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're I, confident, but I want to hear how confident. <laughs> I always start by saying that, you know, the future of television is on the internet. And, you know, over time, uh, different networks and, and uh, different content owners will launch their services. We're uh, extremely confident in the, the lineup that we have brought to consumers. Recently, we've spoken about uh, our subscriber numbers in excess of 1.1 million active subscribers and continuing to grow very quickly. In fact, um, Stan has never grown faster than it is growing today. So we mm. are confident in our lineup we're confident in the category. We're confident in that um, change in sh- consumer behaviour, which is bringing them to services like Stan. So in the space where you know Stan operates and Netflix operates, we've carved out very important um, you know parts of the market for ourselves. But there's plenty of room for other online streaming services. And I think one of the mistakes that people often make when they think about the streaming space uh, or the on-demand space is you know it, it's um, everyone competing for the same. Piece of the market, but but the reality is, even within the streaming or the SVOD space, there are you know there is as you said, there's the BVOD market, um, there's your catch-up TV, your subscription video on demand, and where Stan fits in that market alongside Netflix really is in in um, premium. What, what has typically been the world of you know premium pay TV content, big big shows, the, the kind of shows that you've seen on Stan from Better Call Saul, yeah. Billions, Twin Peaks, this year with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's Who Is America. Big budget shows like that which um, really moved the needle for a subscription business like Stan
2: awesome and uh, I guess to the point of Netflix uh, there was a lot of furor um, if you just read if you just popped onto reddit people were going nuts but I mean that's any day on Reddit but they started showing promos for their own TV shows and content at the end of their you know once you got to I think it was three episodes or something like that once you got to mm. the end of that they started showing promos and people immediately thought um, Oh crap! They're showing ads. They're gonna—they're building up to show ads. Uh, I'm out. I'm running. Uh, you had some pretty interesting thoughts uh, on that.
3: Yeah. Look, I think um, if you have a look at any um, on-demand platform and standard Netflix, you know, no different. A very important part of um, bringing content to your own audience and and building engagement on your platform is promoting content, which is either on platform already or which is which is coming up. And you know, in the past, that has been largely limited to. The, the carousel, as mm. you've known it, that big, uh, that big broad carousel at the top that t- typically rotated around and showed different content. and now that's moving into video carousels and the same kind of promotion um, techniques uh, you know, being developed further into things like you know video promos that sit at the end of you know watching a set of, uh, a set of uh, episodes in your favorite series. So look, I think you know if, if you have a look at the yields that come from advertising, it's very hard to make ad yields stack up. Uh, alongside of subscription dollars, and so I think it 's unlikely that we 're going to see a big move of premium spod um, players into a you know a commercial advertising model, but I think the kinds of technology and platforms that have been used typically in advertising to ensure that content is you know, both relevant and targeted to individuals and, and uh, specific audiences, those kind of technologies make sense uh, in promoting your own content on platforms. So making sure that if you want to promote your next big show, that you're promoting it to exactly the right audience and underlying that technology. As I said, there's not a lot of difference to that um, and the way you serve up a promotion of your own content to how you might serve a commercial ad, so it's no surprise that people might put two and two together. But I think the reality is we're unlikely to see the uh, you know premium subscription video on demand market move towards advertising anytime quickly. I know that's not going to be uh, you know music to the ears of uh, advertisers and people in the advertising <laughs> in- industry because I often get a uh, you know a tongue in cheek nudge as to you know, when we might put an ad up on platform. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that that's uh, certainly not something that's in our sights.
2: What about the promo element of it? Any thoughts there?
3: Oh, look, we're always looking for better ways to, you know, deliver the promotion of, of our content. As I said, if you, if you get on stand today and, you know, you look in our, our carousel, you'll see we're always promoting upcoming shows, um, shows that are soon to launch on the platform where, you know, a trailer will be attached to it. So if that moved into, um, you know, a different mechanism that um, saw it running, in between episodes, then, you know, don't be surprised to see that.
2: And a uh, pretty small piece of news earlier this year, I think it was Nine and Fairfax merged, was it? Was it mm. those two? Yeah. Um, and, well, you're uh, you're kind of like the, the kid in the middle there. It was a little bit, uh, was it an interesting time for you? I mean, I, first and foremost, I'll definitely have plenty of questions for what this means for Stan, but I'd like to know your reaction when it all happened.
3: Oh, look, I think, uh, and I, I said this, you know, around the time, it was, um, I think, uh, you know, a, a merger that brought together two, great media companies and, um, you know, has created or will create, um, you know, a single media company which is stronger, you know, with the two businesses together. For myself, you know, we've been a 50-50 joint venture uh, between Fairfax and the Nine Entertainment Company since the beginning. And, you know, I've I've always said that uh, the the cooperation, the commitment and, you know, and the level of aggression at which, you know, both Nine and Fairfax have invested into the the streaming space has been one of the key factors of the success um, of Stan. And now bringing those two businesses together into a a single media company, again, it doesn't change the, you know, the assets that we might get access to under, you know, having a great uh, shareholder like either Nine or or Fairfax. But certainly having parent companies that are stronger together Mm. um, is beneficial, you know. And I I think as the, the industry has unfolded, or I should say, you know, as regulation has unfolded in the industry. I think there was a lot of um, impatience and speculation for a long time around um, if and when government regulations uh, might change in yeah. the media industry and an expectation that, you know, as soon as those laws change uh, or regulations change, that there was going to be, a you know, a spate of um, M&A. And I think what actually happened is it, it took um, a much longer period of time for some of these things to change. And, and it meant that, Media companies across the board had a longer period of time to consider, you know, where the va- the greatest value could, could be created in any potential merger or acquisition. And sometimes, you know, you get regulatory cha- change happens very quickly, pent up demand and you get this sort of rapid fire M&A. Sometimes it's not um, the best outcome. But in this case, I think that the the fact that it took time for regulation to change, um, it, it gave the media industry the time to have a good think about what were the kinds of deals that are going to work well and it certainly um you know gave nine that time because uh nine and fairfax that time because um you know the outcome of that is that uh nine and fairfax are, are coming together yeah and i mean look it, there's no understating it it is a mega merger um and i think for you you know
2: internally in the you become a single entity of nine you but you're also very separate from the nine business you remain stand as it is um I guess for you internally, there's you know, Hugh, um, you know Hugh has thrown around his plans and his ideas, and he's very much confident that you know you'll continue to do what you're already doing really well, which is build subscribers. What does it look like for you internally now? What's your um, game
3: plan? Look, I think first and foremost, um, it is it's it's about continuing that momentum. I mentioned a bit earlier that uh, Stan has never grown faster than it's growing today. The you know the market. Um, continues to grow well but our our growth of subscribers is accelerating and so first and foremost it's you know keeping our eye on the ball as I said with uh, crossing the 1.1 million active subscriber mark all eyes on 2 million subscribers now as we continue to grow that business but you know the 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 streaming space if you look at the players um, who are going to operate in uh, subscription video on demand in SVOD obviously in Australia um, Netflix is the big international player Stan is the leading local streaming service. We do operate in a market which, um, you know, is full of international players. And we've, (laughs) we have consistently viewed our strategy and how we approach the market um, in a way that positioned us as a leading local player, but in a category of international players, and that means our investment has to be at the right level. Um, our level of commitment and aggression in terms of um, building our base has to be at the right level, um, and we're going to continue to keep all eyes on that. And I think in a in a structure where Nine and Fairfax have come together, it does start to give us greater optionality. Um, you know, under you know a single um, stronger media business, as this international market sh- shakes out we want to have options. And, you know, I think this deal gives us greater optionality than we've ever had before. And it gives us greater strength in our parent company to leverage um, into building our base.
2: And I mean, you know, internally, are you boosting, you know, people you've got on in, in the office. I mean, I think I've seen a couple of jobs going up. Um, not, not that I'm looking, I'm just, uh, I have noticed <laughs> them. <laughs> hey,
3: if you, if you want to slide your CV across. Yeah, just, just really <laughs> quiet.
2: If you hear paper rustling, it's just, I drop my notes. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, what does it look like internally for you guys? Is it about boosting numbers, you know, not just those subscribers, but making that team stronger? Is there a, I look a now, on our, our,
3: our business model is one that scales really well in terms of, you know, staff numbers. I think it's certainly something that... Uh, you know those who look at the business model, analysts in the market, um, and those who invest in in this particular category. They like the fact that this is a very scalable business model, and that is the case. You know we're uh, we're about 65 to 70 staff uh, at Stan. We've been that number, you know, for the last sort of twelve to eighteen months. We haven't grown a lot in the three years um, since, three and a half years since we've launched. It's been a um, a number somewhere between around fifty at the start, up to sixty-five to seventy today. So, you know, if we double in size, um, you know, we may increase our headcount by a small amount, but it doesn't increase dramatically. Mm. Um, it certainly doesn't need to scale like a traditional television business. So, yes, we are hiring for a couple of roles at the moment. Those are you know, roles that are filling particular needs that we've got within the organization. Certainly as the business grows in scale, your focus changes as well. And, and the kind of roles that you need in the organization change over time. So, you know, that's part of what you're seeing in market today.
2: Okay. And I mean, the final content, uh, oh, I've already let it slip too early. final uh, question around strategy <laughs> is your content strategy. Uh, last time we spoke, it was very much about, you know, some good local, uh, locally developed content, some great deals with MGM, some, you know, home of Bond, uh, you know, for you, is it, you know, just pushing that local side of things? Is it developing your own stand originals? And I'm always going to ask this because I don't think you'll ever hear me not ask this to you, some sport.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's come to that a bit later, but, um, look, to begin with, you know, as our, Platform has, you know, has grown as our subscriber base has grown, uh, as our relationships with the Hollywood studios have grown. Uh, our our deals have become bigger and much more strategic. We already talked about the the CBS relationship with the exclusive Showtime mm. output deal. Recently, we announced uh, an exclusive deal for MGM output here in Australia and a similar deal for Stars output here in Australia. Those those deals are part of, um, you know, that scaling up of our strategic content relationships with the Hollywood studios, we have effectively made ourselves the home of Hollywood here in Australia um, as it pertains to the streaming space. Mm. And, you know, we look to continue building those relationships. Our local original productions um, also play a very important part of our lineup here in Australia. But, you know, the, the, the commercial model and the business model for producing local content is quite different. It is expensive in terms of a, you know, on a per episode rate for producing Mm. local productions. And it is very cash intensive in terms of, you know, having to put those dollars right up front when you put a a show into production. And for those reasons, it's unlikely that, you know, we will scale our original production slate beyond a certain point. Um, We know we're currently producing around five originals per year. That may creep up a little bit over the next sort of um, one to two years. Um, but ultimately, it's in that kind of ballpark, and what that does for us is creates a you know a unique proposition. We are the only streaming service here in market who is making a you know material and significant investment in locally produced um, original um, productions, uh, and that's in terms of um, SVOD services here in Australia. Uh, that's a unique proposition in terms of how we take it to market. Every one of our shows uh, has a important place in our um, in our marketing. You won't see a a Stan original that doesn't get um, big billing in terms of its position in our overall uh, marketing program. So, it is an important differentiator. Um, it's an important part of our lineup because it addresses the unique tastes of mm. Australians. Um, and look, on the on the other side of that, you know, it's it's one of those things where. We're an Australian company which was created by Australians. It's run by Australians and it's for Australians. Um, our revenues come from the hard-earned dollars of Australians, and so there's also a certain level of onus um, on a company that you know that uh, extracts its revenues from Australians to put that back into the industry and to develop the industry. So, you know, for the for all the reasons I've said. Um, including the fact that um, you know it's an important um, contribution that we make back into the industry that we're a part of, um, you know, Stan Originals will continue to be an important part of our slate.
2: Brilliant. And I mean, as uh, you, you've said, Australia so much, and I'm actually just going to go the other side of the world now and go straight to North America. But um, I guess this is sort of my last question because it would be foolish of me not to get your international opinion. Uh, Netflix continues to make more and more original content. They're making more films. They're really starting to set a tone internationally. How does that sort of impact you, and sort of what do you see? I guess the global streaming market doing, and do you think that it's going to filter down to Australia?
3: Well, I think that's you know, if if you if you listen to what uh, Netflix have said themselves, that you know, over time, a a greater part, in fact, the majority of their slate will eventually be made up by. Uh, Netflix original productions, and what that has done, when I mentioned before about Stan essentially becoming the home of Hollywood in the streaming space, is that um, you know Hollywood studios who have typically sold product um, or licensed their product, I should say, to Netflix, um, are now in this challenging dilemma as we're sort of seeing you know across the globe, and and that dilemma is do they continue to license content to Netflix when they know that Netflix is ultimately going to um, create all of their own originals mm-hmm. as as an endgame. Um, uh, because that kind of creates a strategic challenge um, and and dilemma for them, um, or do they you know support other channels? And so you know for us, over the time that we've been running Stan, we've seen you know a a growing and you know very positive level of support from Hollywood to license their product to us. The reality is that as I said, we will always have a place for um, Hollywood studio content on the platform, um, coupled with that slate of Stan originals that we produce here. Um, in a certain volume locally, but we've really created this home to monetize content for those Hollywood studios. And so, the the, out, the outcome of the, the strategy for Netflix going global is they become more about Netflix originals, we become the home of Hollywood and Stan originals here in Australia. And those two things actually sit together quite nicely. You know, um, I think most uh, consumers would agree that having a, a combination of Stan. A um, bit of Netflix combined with um, free-to-air TV and the multi-channels. It's a, uh, you know, it's a brilliant experience when you wrap all that together.
2: Brilliant. I mean, and look, that's uh, that's all the questions I had. Um, I'm going to head home and catch up on Billions because I'm a couple of episodes <laughs> behind and I'll let you get back to uh, doing the busy work of it all.
3: I recommend Get Shorty Shorty's a good one too. Yeah, no, uh, I've had
2: a good look at Get Shorty. It's yeah. pretty
3: good. Yeah. And I'm not saying that because it's, you know, one that we've launched recently. It's actually one that I'm enjoying at the moment. We've got a host of great shows coming up, but um, that is that's a bit of a sleeper. That one, get shorty, give it a yeah. give it a look.
2: And before you go, what's your favourite thing that you've seen on stand recently?
3: Oh, no, I'd say get shorty. I'm tuned. that's okay. why I'm talking <laughs> that's about it. Um, I didn't jump on it straight away. As soon as I, I'd obviously seen the pilot, because we you know we bought the show, and um, you know the, the pilot was fine, and obviously a, you know, a driver for us picking it up, but. Um, I quite often have to spread my viewing quite thinly because everyone expects that I've seen at least a little bit of everything. So, um, you know, I'll be honest and admit here that I very rarely get the chance to watch every episode, certainly of every season of of show that, um, comes up on stand, but I can tell you I've watched every episode of Get Shorty. So, um, there's a tip.
2: There's a tip. All right. Thanks again, mate. I really appreciate you coming on. All right. Awesome.